Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. We are in the midst of a sermon series called On the Road, and in this sermon series, we're looking at passages where people are journeying through life and then are interrupted by God. And when God comes to them and when God takes them on a different path, their lives are changed forever and the course of history is changed forever and God's kingdom is changed forever. We've looked at Abraham and how God came to him and made promises to him if Abraham would go. Then we looked at Isaac, and then we looked at the story of Jacob last week, and today we're looking at the story of Moses, and it's the ongoing story of how God intervenes and calls people to follow and to serve. So I want to invite you in Exodus chapter 3, I will read verses 1 through 12, and hear now God's word. Now Moses was... Excuse me. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought... I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Side note, so understated, right? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, indeed, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering." So, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a spacious and good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I was teaching actually this scripture in class at PBA this week in in a leadership class and 
we read over the scripture and then I just ask a simple question. Do you believe that God still speaks to people the same way today? And it was silent. Kind of like now. And then I said, well, do you believe God nudges people? Do you believe God comes to people? Do you believe that God calls people the way that God just called Moses? And it was silent again. And I said, I really appreciate you modeling the silence before God that sometimes we should have. And then I asked them again, is this a story that just happened a long time ago, kind of a history story? Or does God still call people today? And finally, one of the young women in the class, actually one of Sonia's students, raised her hand and said, well, I, I believe God has called me this week to encourage people who work in gas stations and to say something kind to them when I interact with them. I'm like, thank you for sharing that. And then another young man raised his hand and he said, you know, I've been really thinking about God's call on my life. And he went on to explain what, what he thought God was calling him to do. Then another young woman raised her hand and said, you know, I've, I've been having these dreams. And she shared what God had been talking to her in dreams about. And the class, once they kind of got rolling, it was amazing to hear them share about the nudges and the ways that God was speaking to them and calling them to do something specific for other people in order to advance the kingdom. And so what I want to share a little bit about today is in this passage, what do we learn about God and about the call of God on our lives? So the first thing I want to highlight for us is that God's people have now been in Egypt, where the story takes place, for over 400 years. And from the end of Genesis to the beginning of Exodus, there is a silence of what God has been doing with his people. And what has happened is that the Hebrews have gone from being this flourishing, welcomed people in Egypt to where there was a pharaoh who did not know Joseph and he was concerned about the number of Hebrew people and the power that that number demonstrated and what could go wrong if those people decided they didn't want to follow Pharaoh anymore. So he decided we need to eliminate or decrease the number of people. So he ordered the Egyptian midwives to kill all the male children that are born. And they quietly disobeyed him. And so then he became even more forceful. And he ordered that any male Hebrew child was to be thrown into the Nile River. And so we pick up the story of Moses as one of those Hebrew boys that was to be killed. But his mother disobeyed and hid him. 
And then when it was no longer possible to hide him from the Egyptians, she had him placed in a basket and set in the Nile River near where Pharaoh's daughter might show up. And she saw him. She saw this basket and she was curious. And then when she saw that it was a baby, it was kind of like if it was a puppy or a baby, she would want it. So she just decided, I'm going to keep this baby that I found. And so Moses, quite miraculously, was adopted into Pharaoh's family. One of his enemies is now part of his household. And Moses lives 40 years as part of Pharaoh's family. And then identifying with his Hebrew kin, he sees uh, one of his of one of his fellow countrymen being mistreated by an Egyptian and he looks around and he decides he's going to do something about this and he kills the Egyptian and then hides his body and thinking that he's gotten away with murder the next day it's revealed to him that he was seen and that he's known and then Pharaoh hears about it and then Pharaoh wants to kill Moses and so Moses has to flee And he flees to the desert of Midian, where he spends the next 40 years of his life. He gets married, he has children, and then he is a hired shepherd shepherd working for his father-in-law. You know, that's got to be a great job, right? (laughs) 40 years, he's the shepherd, and he's going out to the fields, and he's You know, he's drinking his coffee while the sheep take care of themselves and maybe he sees a snake one day and maybe, you know, maybe there's a predator that comes near, but it's a most unremarkable life. And after 40 years in Egypt and then 40 years in the desert, God comes to him. After 400 years of silence, God comes to him. After the Hebrew people wondering, where is God in the midst of our slavery and why is this happening? After 400 years of God's absence, God comes to him. And Eugene Peterson in the book Christ Plays in 10,000 Places makes a comment about the absence of God and that it is usually not even noted in this story. But what Peterson says is that our experiences are often underlied with God feeling absent in our lives too. That's why the Psalms are filled with phrases like, where are you, God? Turn your face toward me. Oh God, hear me. Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you doing something? And what Peterson suggests is that by highlighting the absence of God in this story, that it actually is normalizing it for us. And it's helping us to remember that quite often in your life and in my life, we experience God's silence or we experience God's absence. And that is normal. And quite often it is in those experiences that eventually God does come and God does speak. So at the end of chapter 2, the Hebrew people cry out to God. And in the next verse in chapter 3, God comes and starts this rescue of them. And so he comes to Moses and he's in a burning bush 
I mean, he is, God is going out of the way to make sure Moses notices him. And I think often God comes to us and we don't notice either until something happens that gets our attention and then we start paying attention. I so often wonder, what would it be like if we paid attention to God all the time? If we weren't so busy where we could actually listen? If we didn't have so much noise around us that we could actually hear the voice of God? God speaks to us all the time. God comes to us and nudges us and calls us and, and, and talks to us through scripture and through other people and through circumstances and just through our hearts and in our minds. God is always speaking to us. But sometimes, often, man, he's, he doesn't show up in burning bushes, but God can get our attention when he wants to. So God comes and the first thing that God does, and I want you to notice this because this is really important. He reveals who he is. And there are three characteristics that he, he makes really evident in what he says to Moses. So when Moses comes over and he goes, hey, I, this is a burning bush. I'm going to go, what's going on here? God says, wait, stop right there, because you're on holy ground. And what God says is, I am a holy God. I'm the God who is the creator and the sovereign. I am the God who rules over everything. He's enthroned in the heavens, and the Psalms tell us that we're to worship God in his holy temple. We're to magnify his holy name. And, and God's holiness would become a part of Israel's life in the years ahead. And I think it's important for us to notice when God comes to you and when God comes to me, this is the holy God that comes to us. Then he also tells Moses that he is a faithful God. He said, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And so he's reminding Moses that who is speaking to him is the same God that made promises to Abraham, and he's going to work through Moses to fulfill those promises. When God speaks to you and God speaks to me, that's a faithful God that's talking to us. He's made promises to you and to me, and he keeps those promises. And then the last thing that he reminds Moses of or tells him about is that he is a compassionate God. Not only is he holy and not only is he faithful, but he has seen his people, he has heard their cries, and he knows their suffering. I love those verbs. He sees, he hears, and he knows. And that's why he's coming down to rescue them. This God who is holy is also a God who's been watching over them. This God who is faithful is maintaining his faithfulness by coming to them. And it is this same God, a holy, faithful, compassionate God that speaks to you and that speaks to me when he calls us. Now, God then says, okay, 
he, he's now going to recruit Moses. This is his sales pitch. I love it. The first thing he does is he calls Moses by name. He goes, Moses, Moses. He, when he's calling Moses, he's not, this isn't sort of a general, um, the way we often do it in church. Hey, if anyone, God, God doesn't go, hey, if anyone wants to volunteer to lead my people and go to Pharaoh for me, please call the office in heaven and sign up. It doesn't work that way. God calls him by name. When God speaks to you and me, this is a specific call that is intended just for who he's talking to. And then as, as, um, as God does this, he also, I'm reminded that when God calls us, he, is also, um, he has also prepared us. There is a, a J. Robert Clinton is an author. Uh, his, the, the main book that he's known for is called The Making of a Leader. And, and what Clinton has done is he studied leadership, Christian leadership, uh, through history and through um, our current history and through people who are alive today through biblical history. And he suggests that there are six phases of leadership that God, as he develops leaders, he takes them through. And the very first phase is called sovereign foundations. And what this means is, what Clinton says, what God does in your life and in my life, is that he is at work in our lives before we even know it. And we don't have any control over this. This is God doing the work. So he places us within our families. He puts us within the context of where we grow up. He surrounds us with people who impact our lives. Some are good, some are not so good. God orchestrates events and experiences in our lives that God uses to shape us. God uses... Um, the, the, these people in our lives that are kind of like, um, they, they're the, like, a, like they, they put this pressure around us and they're part of the molding process for you and for me. God is the one who shapes our personalities. God gives us the gifts that we've been given. And what Clinton suggests is, is often before we even become followers of Jesus, God is working in our lives preparing us for the call that he has for us, preparing us so that we can serve him in specific ways. That's why the call of God is often very specific. So everything you have been through, everything that I have been through, has been uniquely overseen by God. And quite often, especially in our growing up years, we had nothing to do with it. And then the other thing that I notice here too is, you know, Moses had a little bit of a sketchy past. If Moses um, had turned in his resume to be a pastor at First Press, I'm going to tell you right now that nominating committee would not have even given it a second look. You know, because this guy's a felon. This guy, you know, he killed someone. And, you know, I'm looking down, you we, like look down in the timeline of Moses' life. Man, he was this incredible disappointment to his family. Both of them. Pharaoh's family was like done with him. And his own birth family kind of, they, he took off on them too. Our past does not disqualify us for God's call on our lives today. 
No matter what has happened in our past, no matter what choices you have made or I have made, God will still come to us and can still use us. Now, what's interesting here is that when God calls Moses, he, um, I love the sales pitch, if you want to think of it that way. God kind of reels him in. God is going like, hey, Moses, I've got a great idea. I am going to rescue my people. I am going to save them because I have heard them and I've seen them and I know what they're going through. So I'm going to cause Pharaoh to let them go. And God is telling Moses everything that he's going to do, that God is going to do. And I'm sure Moses is like, yes, finally, God, you are going to do something. We've been waiting for you to show up and do something. And there's this whole thing where God is cheering on, God is, Moses is cheering on God. And then all of a sudden he just turns and he goes, and, and you're going to do it, Moses. I'm sure this caught Moses totally by surprise. And so he responds, who am I that I should do this? And so here am I that Moses said earlier, his turn to who am I that I should do this? Little change of tune going on here. And quite often what happens when God comes to you or when God comes to me, we're just like Moses. Read on into chapter 4, the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4. Excuse after excuse and reason after reason. And so Moses is like, I'm not worthy of this, God. Or we sometimes say, God, I'm not capable of this. And sometimes we respond like, God, I am, I am so afraid that I can't do this. I'm afraid of failing. Or we're like, God, this is, you don't realize, God, this is incredibly inconvenient in my life right now. Like, like I've, I've got a good routine. I love my life. I love my, I love my routine. I don't want change. I could die very happily here in the desert and I would have lived a good life. And so we often kind of raise these, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable, I don't want to fail, I'm afraid of failing, it's going to be too hard, it's going to be too dangerous. There's no way I could do this. And the only thing that God says in response to all of this right now in this passage, he just goes, I'll be with you. He doesn't answer his complaints. He doesn't address his insecurities. He, he doesn't pump him up and go, oh, you're the man, Moses. You can do this. He just simply says to him, I will be with you. Kind of like when Jesus says to his disciples, go out and make disciples. And I will be with you. When God calls us to serve, when God calls us to speak to someone, when God calls us or nudges us to make a phone call or write a note, when God calls us and nudges us to start a ministry, to have an English class for people from Russia and Ukraine, we'd be like, God, you, do you realize they don't get along? And God goes, I'll be with you. That's all he promises, is I'll be with you. And so, as we, as we think about how to apply this, 
I would just say, if you are searching about faith, if you're not quite sure about this Jesus thing or what following God even looks like, based on Robert Clinton's research about sovereign foundations, I would just simply say, God is at work in your life right now. And maybe you can see it and maybe you can't, but he's still at work in your life. So, so perhaps the invitation is to start to wonder, what is God doing in your life to prepare you to serve in the kingdom? And, and for all of us, I would simply say, if, if, if we believe God speaks to us all the time, let's start paying attention to that. Rather than it being a rarity, what if we start expecting to hear from God every day? You know, when you get that thought in your head, maybe I should do that? Huh. Or you get that nudge, maybe there's a person, I don't even know him or her. Maybe I should get coffee with it. No, that would be, they don't even know me. They wouldn't want to do that. Or the nominating committee calls. Hey, would you like to be an elder or a deacon? Oh, God, this is just a bad time. Get back to me next year. Like it's going to really be better next year? Like, you know, it's inconvenient or it's too hard or whatever. What if we start expecting God to speak to us or nudge us, show up for us? What if we start expecting that? And then what if, like Moses, we actually respond and say, God, I, I will do okay. No more excuses. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And we step out and do that. Man, do you know how that would change your life? Do you know how that would change the kingdom life, the community that we live in? It would be amazing. God still speaks to us. I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm trying to pay more attention to that. Not what I want to do, but what God wants me to do. So let's listen together. Let's maybe encourage each other in what we're hearing God say to us. And maybe it's a guy at a gas station that just needs a word of encouragement, or maybe it's a brand new ministry that God has prepared you to do. Let's learn how to listen to God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.